What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the STR podcast, otherwise known as the Start the Rebuild podcast. I'm your co-host, Tim Fournier, alongside Ian Mills. Hey, guys. How you doing? Uh, make sure to check out our Instagram and Twitter linked down below in the description of our YouTube and our Twitter. Sorry, and our Spotify. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to be back. How about you, Ian? Yeah, no, it's been it's been a hot minute. We've been we've been thinking we've both been very busy, but on top of it, a lot of stuff happening for especially recently. Obviously, the draft coming up is probably the biggest one for us, at least for the NFL. Um, and obviously the most important position in football is quarterback. So that's what we're gonna be starting with today. Yeah, starting off with QB rankings. So how we decided to do this was Ian and I both wrote down our top five quarterbacks. Yep. And we're going to unveil them here one by one and mm-hmm. see how similar our list is and kind of debate about who should be where and all that stuff. Yeah. So, without further ado, I assume we both have the same number one. Yes. All right. Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. I mean, he's the clear cut number one. They're saying he's the best prospect since Andrew Luck um, and Peyton Manning. And, and I mean, I'm not going to dispute that. He's, he's, He's the clear-cut number one. He's going to go number – like, there's no way he wouldn't go number one overall. He has about as flawless of a resume as you can possibly have. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's hard to say that he, he doesn't deserve being the first overall pick for sure. Yeah, I agree. I am a huge fan of my number two quarterback, and I do think the gap is potentially smaller – then it's made out to be between one and two. Um, uh, but anyway, before we get into that, to finish off on Trevor Lawrence, um, he's got the arm, he's got the athleticism, he played the good competition, he has a winning history. Um, like we said, he's pretty much the perfect prospect in terms of that. I will mm-hmm. say, though, I don't know about you, to be completely fair, watching him at sometimes – he has like this unreal hype about him. Sometimes I felt like it was a something was being a little left to be desired from what I was hearing about yeah, how yeah. perfect he was supposed to be. I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, I, I think if you look back at his sophomore year highlights, especially early on in the season, like he was struggling against teams like Syracuse, which is one of the worst, you know, FBS teams yeah, in America. Yeah, they were he was struggling against. I mean, it, it was certainly just kind of like I think, especially earlier on in his career, just not great decision making. Um and you're right. Like, there's a little bit left to be desired, and and, but but like, most college quarterbacks, like all college quarterbacks, are not perfect. You know what I mean? So right. it is. It is even if we look back at Andrew Luck. I mean, he's throwing his body around like recklessly, which in part came down to his demise. So yeah, it, there certainly are parts, especially especially his sophomore year, um, which I could definitely see. And we're, we're a little underwhelmed, but I will say that like regardless of that, he's still like, I would say, and I'm sure you agree, like the number one guy for sure. I agree. Um, I think he's amazing, amazing and awesome player. I think people need to temper their expectations about him being a guaranteed hall of famer though. Yeah. Especially going to a franchise like the Jags. Yeah. And uh, I'm not sold on urban Meyer being a, uh, um, amazing coach in terms of like, especially like offensively with all that. I mean, we'll see. But I, I think a lot of people think he's going to automatically set the league on fire as soon as he touches the field and he's going to be an automatic 
gold jacket, but yeah, I no, think I think deserves number one. Yeah, no, of course. Like if you look back at like like Andrew Luck had a really good career, like an like a like he was a great quarterback, and like did he did he match those expectations that were set to him? Like basically the automatic Hall of Famer? No, he didn't because he's probably not going to make the Hall of Fame. Um, and like it's it's almost as if like like the same thing could be true for Trevor Lawrence. Obviously, Andrew Luck, you know, retired early um, out of his own decision, but like. Like there is a certain there is a like a chance, a real chance that, you know, like the surroundings just aren't there for him um, mm-hmm. or he struggles with injuries or whatever it may be. So I do agree. Like there is o- always like a bust percentage, um, especially early on, like rookie quarterbacks like are not usually good. Like obviously uh, Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert were really good last year. But usually we don't see like quarterbacks light it up right out of the gates, and he has the biggest expectations potentially ever coming uh, coming out of college for a, for a quarterback. Mm-hmm. So to keep moving, going to number two, I'll let you share you have first. Okay, so you were saying that number one and number two aren't too you know far away for you. Well, my number two and my number three aren't super far away right now. Okay. Um, and I was, I think, you know, for most of the season, or I guess towards the back end of the season, I had my number three as my number two, but I recently swapped it somewhat due to, to the pro days. And I think a little bit, I was, uh, I want to say brainwashed, but definitely the media switched a little bit for me, but my number two right now is Justin Fields. And it was Zach Wilson for a pretty good amount of time. And I think Zach Wilson is an incredible talent, obviously, but, when you know the the questions about Justin Fields and, and I'm talking about recent ones or you know people are saying well he doesn't work hard he doesn't do this isn't that and I think those are not like those just don't really make sense I mean he was playing with what broken ribs in the national championship yeah. game he killed Clemson um the game previously and played exceptionally well, maybe the best game of his career I mean yeah. on top of mind you he runs a four four like. Yeah, that was backs you run four fours. And again, that, that could be skewed because like the pro day results, everyone's saying they're like a little bit skewed. Yeah. And I don't know how true that is, but I'm just Neither saying I'm not sure. It's hard to really tell, but but I would say like the questions about Justin Fields, like up until like fairly recently, Justin Fields was a consensus too coming mm-hmm. into this draft. And he was kind of like, he, I feel like he was a little bit unfairly criticized. Um, Cause like, you know, Zach Wilson right now and a lot of people's, and obviously it seems as if he's going to get drafted by the jets. That seems like a guarantee at this point. Um, it does seem like, you know, he was knocked down a peg for what seems like to me, at least not a huge reason um, to have an athlete like that, that will play through injuries who had incredible success in his career. Mm-hmm. People forget he went to the national championship. Um, sorry, not national championship. He went to the uh, playoffs last year and had thrown one pick and scored 50 touchdowns and, and, and threw one pick up until the, up until the playoffs where obviously he did end up throwing two interceptions. Like he, he put up the numbers. It, it seems like a, as if maybe like, obviously he didn't win the national championship, but it does seem as if like he did about as much as you can do as a college quarterback. And I think Dwayne Haskins being like the bust that happened hurt him a little bit just because mm-hmm. Ohio State. I don't think really he's Dwayne Haskins. No, he's not at all. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think that's what people like are like, oh, well, he's 
in this perfect scenario where Ohio, the Ohio State, State quarterback stigma. Ohio State quarterback, right? So I think he was a little bit unfairly criticized for that. Um, so right now, yeah, Justin Fields is my two. Okay. Um, before we go forward, is it safe to assume that Zach Wilson is your number three? He is, yes. Yes? Okay. Yes. Um, so I am a huge Zach Wilson guy. Um, I think I'm like very much learning in my own kind of like evaluation of quarterbacks and like, it's a process. Um, like you and I both were very much against, uh, Justin Herbert last year. Yeah. And, um, for me, it was a combination of things, but I didn't really see it. Um, mm-hmm. like he obviously had the tools. We knew he had, he was well, an athlete and to, he had the to off. be fair, to be fair, Oregon like ran like screens 25% of the time. Like he wasn't really utilized as much. He's being used as the chargers. Right. Um, but anyway, one of the biggest things I look for when I decide if I really like a quarterback, especially in the draft process is if they just seem like, um, this is going to sound way more simple than it actually is because it's very hard to put your finger on it. I really look for if they're a gamer, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Like they're put in like a situation and like everything's going wrong and they roll out of the pocket, they make a guy miss and they make some like stupid angle throw. Like the stuff we start to see Patrick Mahomes, you know, what we see yeah. uh, Josh Allen do um, even Lamar Jackson a little bit where he freelances and he, I know everyone, like, loves to, like, shit on his accuracy and stuff, but he throws, like, a sidearm, like, crossbody throw where he fits it into – like, they have that ability to play out of structure, but it it's really hard to explain because it's not as simple as just, like, oh, they're really good at playing out of structure. Um, but, like, I think watching some guys, you can just tell they have that, like um, – it's almost like they play like with a personality. Like there's, they're not yeah. worried about like what they're doing whatsoever. It just comes like completely natural because they're so comfortable doing what they're doing. If that makes sense. And I oh, yeah. really, really see that with Zach Wilson. And part mm. of the reason he can do that is because his arm is crazy. Um, I won't even, it's, he doesn't have like just the pure power that a like Josh Allen does. But he has all the angles and just, like, it's such, like, a whippy motion that he can just, like, launch a ball, like, from any angle, which I love. I think he's got a good head on his shoulders. Um, And then compared with Fields, there's been a lot of, like you said, um, stuff coming out about his character and work ethic and all that stuff. And he's, like, starting to slip on boards and, like, he can't read defenses and blah, 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 all these people are talking about. And originally – I was kind of like, oh, like, I don't really see it with him. And, like, I kind of, like, I'm almost starting to agree with some of those evaluations. But I think Justin Fields, for me, um, has a little bit of that Justin Herbert stuff that I missed on last year, if you know what I mean. I think Justin Fields is, like, a learning experience for myself to not psych myself out like I did with Justin Herbert. Because – I mean, I still have my reservations about Herbert, but he is very, very, very clearly way better than I ever thought he was. Right. Yeah. And we, I think um, we comped him with like Mitch Trubisky, I think. 
I don't know, I don't remember what it was. Um, we can go back and look, but like I was very very low on him, and I think Justin Fields is um can be like a learning experience for me with that. And I have him at three, and I think he's going to be really good. Um, yeah. If he goes to the 49ers 10 years from now, I would bet that he's looked at as the best quarterback from this draft. Right, yeah. Um, but I really, really like Zach Wilson, too. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. But back to what I was kind of saying about that, one other thing I wanted to touch on is the media and, like, what you see on Instagram, like, with the Pro Day videos and stuff completely sways everyone's opinion of everyone for no it is crazy it's it's wild like mac jones and we'll get to him i'm assuming we'll get to him at some point but yeah. like he overthrew a ball and like yeah he sh- i mean that's bad but like the, like people i'm not that people were incredibly high on him but people really were were you know really like putting him down the draft words from for me missing a throw you know in a pro yeah. day um, yeah, like draft and not draft analysts, but like former GMs will say, like, yeah, the, the biggest thing about a pro day is like you'll see a receiver you've never seen catching balls. And I'm like, yeah, that you know, we'll we'll pick him up in the seventh yeah. round. You know what I mean? So yeah. Um, so anyway, keep this going. Um, I guess I'll share my number four now. Um yeah. Well, one last thing I want to touch on Zach Wilson. Yeah, sure. Go for one it. last thing I want to touch on Zach Wilson. You were saying he's the kind of like the gamer. I would agree mm-hmm. with that entirely. He is a Mormon, but and I'm assuming he's smart to be like, I don't know for sure, but I'm assuming he is in high school in high school. Um, he had two dates to, at prom. So that's a real gamer move. Gamer. In my opinion, that's a uh, gamer move. Seal right? approval. I'm putting my stamp on Zach Wilson. Um, I really, really like him. Uh, yeah. But if he were not in here, uh, there would be a very, very big gap between Justin Fields and uh, anyone below him. Yep. Because I do like Justin Fields. Just because yeah, I have Zach Wilson with him is not because I don't like Justin Fields. And I want to make sure – it is more of a testament to how much I like Zach Wilson more than disliking Justin Fields. Yeah, that's fine. Right. So my number four and five, I assume we have the same two players, I assume. I would imagine we do, yeah. Um, I, We might have different takes. It's – if we, if you're saying we can assume, I assume you have a combination of Mac Jones and Trey Lance. Yeah, I have, I have Lance at four, Mac Jones at five. Okay, that's gonna be fine. I have Jones then Lance. Okay. Um, yeah, fair enough. It's very in terms of ranking them. This is the one I had the most trouble with. It mm. very much depends on what you want. Yeah. Like if I'm throwing one of them out there at any point in year one, I'm I would rather have Mac Jones. Yeah, that makes sense. If I'm trying to hit a home run, I think it's obvious that you would try with Trey Lance. Um, With the Niners, all these rumors about Mac Jones at three is very confusing to me. I don't feel like that makes much sense if you are getting all the way up there to when you already have Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. Yeah, that seems a little confusing to me. Yeah, like I feel like Mac Jones, Mac Jones is like ceiling is like Kirk Cousins. I feel like who Kyle like, Shanahan loves, right? Which is like not he worked with him in Washington. Yeah, which is like it's not like like Kirk Jones isn't a bad or Kirk Cousins rather isn't like a bad NFL quarterback, but like Trey Lance's ceiling, I feel like is like Mahomes Allen. You know what I mean? Like there's mm-hmm. a there's a difference there. So 
It's interesting. What do you think about the whole like Mac Jones going number three rumors? Um, I think it's a bit of a smokescreen. Like, like I, I, I really do. Um, or it's but just like, for why some... do they need a smokescreen if if Lawrence is definitely going know. one and Wilson's definitely going two? I guess that's true. I guess that is true. They really wouldn't need a smokescreen, right. but that's what's um, about me. And the other thing too is. What what are the chances that Kyle Shanahan just thinks he's so smart and his scheme is so good that he just needs someone with a good enough head on their shoulders to execute it? And he's just figured out that Jimmy G is not that guy. That is and possible that he just wants to plug and play. If we're yeah. ranking these guys by just like their processor, Mac Jones is easily top three. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty universal. Yeah, that's fair. With potential to be one, two, or three. Because mm-hmm. what he lacks is the physical abilities. Yeah. I think people act like his arm is horrible. I don't think it's horrible. It's just worse than any of these other four guys. No. Yeah. So no, I, think- I actually do like Mac Jones. And yeah, I don't dislike him. I think it would be very interesting if he went to the Niners. Yeah. If I were sitting there, I would – I would think I'd take Justin Fields, but yeah. he's like if this if he believes in his scheme so much, like, um, how much does the natural ability that like Justin Fields or Trey Lance have really matter if your whole offense is based on scheming a guy open for six yards and open space? Well, you know? I think the problem is like with with a. Uh... Like you don't want to get another Jimmy Garoppolo, right? You know what I mean. Like, like in terms of like town wise, like like you want to if you want a similar quarterback, that's fine. But if if Mac Jones, you know, is like just okay, like then he's Jimmy Garoppolo. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't know. Yeah. And maybe Kyle Shanahan wants that. Maybe he just thinks Mac Jones is leagues better or has a potentially leagues better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, then yeah, I mean, then do I? But but I feel like. If you want someone to to elevate, if you don't want another Jimmy Garoppolo, then would be Justin Fields. It, it is a bit confusing. I mean, there is a chance that like these rumors I, are literally yeah. just rumors, you know. I, I mean? honestly that there that's definitely a possibility, but I honestly think he's going. I think Matt Jones is going at three. Really? That's interesting. Um, I think yeah, there's a real possibility at this they point made we're getting the trade before Ohio State's pro day. Granted, they could. Didn't they make it for Alabama's too, though? Uh, you might be right. I might be mixing that up. No, I think it was. I think they. I think Ohio State and Alabama had it on the same day. You might be right. I might have screwed that up. Um, but th- just like there's no point to needing that, um, like that smoke screen, like we were talking about. Yeah, there really isn't. Pick, um, and he's not going in the top two. Yeah, I, I think there's a chance. Well, they were saying, you know, another rumor is like, oh, the, the Niners are just going to pick whoever. Like, they're going to be fine with not getting Lawrence or Wilson. Um, I think there's a chance, like, they might not have made up their mind at this point. Um, then again, like, Kyle Shanahan went to Mac Jones's pro day, but he didn't go to Justin Fields' pro day. Like, is that is that right. something there? I think that's like, what I was know. going in my – like, I think that's what I – Oh, what we were trying to say, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's a good point, and and, and it's it's upsetting 
only a little bit because I think, like, first off, Mac Jones could be very good. In, I mean, he, you know, he could work out, but I think you'd be really I, good in that system. But the thing is, like, how good could Justin Fields be in that system? You know what I mean? Like, how good could the Niners be with Justin Fields? You know what I mean? So there might be an um, argument for just that specific system that Mac Jones could be potentially better. Interesting. That's interesting. Because um, I had just talked about how much I like Justin Fields. I have him over Mac Jones. Right. But I think Mac Jones has a better processor and he yeah. would be able to read defenses better. Um, mm. They have a really good outside run uh, or outside zone run scheme that I think that uh, Justin Fields and Trey Lance could elevate a lot. Um, but <sighs> – if I had to predict today who's going number three, I'm saying Mac Jones. I also think, um, like, we, you know, we were talking about, like, oh, Ohio State quarterback. Mm-hmm. And obviously, we, you know, and, and like the receivers, like, first off, Alabama quarterback, A. And, like, Mac Jones might have had, like, the best weapons. Like, he did have the best weapons in college football last year. Um, yeah. yeah. And, like, and, and, you know, obviously he didn't play the entire year of the year before because of Tua, but but like even then he had incredible weapons and how much that plays into the decision making process of the NFL like of NFL executives will be interesting. I, I don't know. Like you're right. There is a good chance like just simply from what what we have heard or you know has been put out there is that Mac Jones probably would go over fields. I would be a little upset just because I think Justin Fields like is the better prospect. Like I just think he's a, I'm sure you agree yeah. with me like it, you know, you would like to see the better prospect go go above him, but you know. And then to get to Trey Lance, yeah. Um, to get to Trey Lance, I ranked him above Mac Jones simply because I I think his ceiling is is higher, like way higher than his. Um, I also think people are kind of in this moment like looking for the quote unquote like Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, mm-hmm. where it's like, um, oh, let's you know, I mean, obviously Josh Allen didn't sit a year, but he was playing. They they wanted to sit him a year, like you know, sit him a year and then the next year we'll start him and he'll learn from, from, you know, a vet and he'll be really good because it's just physically talented. Um, mm-hmm. And Trey Lance is way faster than Pat Mahomes. He's way faster than Josh Allen. You know what I mean? And he's really good. Like, yeah. He, he, he is in a similar vein to Lamar. He didn't run the 40 simply because he you know didn't want to be labeled a running back or a receiver. Um, like the guy's, Right, he's an incredible athlete. Obviously, he didn't play this year, so he didn't have actual one footage. Game. He played one game and didn't play very well. And then, obviously, North Dakota State moved their season. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's he is kind of like an anomaly because, like, how many games, how many North Dakota State games have you seen in your life, like, live on top of he is just like this – like, he just hasn't played. Even, even when they have played, he hasn't played, so – I, know, I just like the ceiling, but that also could be like the bias of like, oh, the last couple of years, these mm-hmm. physical specimens have been insane uh, in the NFL. And I think he could fall in that same same vein. It used to be like, um, I think the way offensive schemes have developed, the ways the rules have changed and the way the game has changed, that <clears throat> like – not that it's easy by any means, but it has become way easier in the NFL to have like 
a baseline of production. Mm. It used to be like Andy Dalton was the um, the tier where if you were above Andy Dalton, you were like really set at quarterback. Yeah. And now Andy Dalton's probably high twenties, mid twenties. Right. Um, just like the bar has been moved up because um, everything has. Um, yeah, one time. Do you have some washer? No. All right, perfect. Um, what was I saying? Yeah, offenses. You know, quarterbacks are getting better. It seems. Yeah, the baseline has just moved up so much, and it's made it so much easier. Um, with the schemes and everything developing like that, that I think it's starting to shift, or at least it looks that way. That the QB evaluation has completely changed from. I want a guy who's not going to screw up, who has the yeah. like processing abilities, all this to, I just want the guy with the most talent that one things um, because everyone has like this, like higher baseline that now everyone's looking for that extra level of ability when things break down to do whatever you can. Yeah. And now teams are more looking towards that. And Trey Lance has that ability more than someone like uh, Mac Jones. But I think Mac Jones has more of like the processor, which is why maybe yeah. someone like the Niners who has that extra level up, level up because of their scheme, they might be able to do more with it. But between these two players, Mac Jones and Trey Lance, it's very dependent on what you're looking for. Yeah, no, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. As you're saying, like the baseline has, has definitely changed as like, I mean, the Packers picked Jordan Love, obviously, in the first round last year um, just because, like, he's the physical kind of specimen that has all the talent, right? And then in a couple of years when Aaron Rodgers retired, I mean, that could be five years from now. We have no idea. Obviously, Jordan Love would probably be playing before then. But, yeah, no, you're right. Um, um, last talking about how up. important – Oh, oh okay, sorry. Okay. No, you're That's good. You're good. I, was, um, I was just going to say – to wrap it up, um, one thing I think we all have to remember is probably more important than each of these players' individual abilities is their landing spot because that shows everyone's – it greatly impacts everyone's opinion of them and their development in their first couple of years. So, yeah, for sure. Honestly, I'm not surprised if whoever goes to the Niners – ends up being the best quarterback in this draft. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like like the couple like Lamar and Josh Allen were drafted to playoff teams and they're the you know, the consensus two best quarterbacks <laughs> in the draft right now, you know what I mean? So that's for sure. Like like absolutely where you were drafted matters absolutely. And to have what's essentially a playoff team in the, in the Niners to be picking 3 is huge. Right. Um but to talk about how important quarterbacks are, um we have a segment on the Broncos being one, you know, a quarterback away from being an incredibly good team, um, which feels like it's been like that for a couple of years now. <laughs> like ever since Peyton Manning left, it has felt like they have had, you know, the quote unquote tools to be really good team. Um, I really just... like uh, the way the defense is coming together. Mm-hmm. Um Vic Fangio um, is a really good defensive-minded coach. Um, and if you just look at they just signed Kyle Fuller, they're getting Von Miller back, they have Bradley Chubb coming back, Shelby Harris was really, really good on the defensive line. 
Um, Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson are a great safety yeah. tandem. Um, who are the other corners? Let me think. I think they um, – one sec here. But that missing piece was kind of like that lockdown corner AJ they were looking at. And then they had also signed Ronald Darby. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, Ronald Darby. They had two yeah. huge signings. Who had, uh, Ronald Darby had a great year on the football team last year. And they have Bryce Callahan in the slot. So corner went from a weakness to a strength, assuming everyone stays healthy. They retained mm. their amazing um, safety tandem there. Um, the linebacker's decent. I like Alexander Johnson a lot. Um, but then the D line with Bradley Chubb, Von Miller, Shelby Harris. Um, I like Draymond Jones. Um, the defense is really coming together. But then offensively, um, starting with the O-line, they have um, – I wouldn't say like an elite O-line, but they have that threshold that you're looking for um, where it's very hard to have your offensive line be a huge difference maker in a positive way but it's very easy for it to be a huge uh, um, difference maker in a negative way. So really yeah. what you're looking for is just to have si uh, five solid pieces um, mm -hmm. to make – like it's more important to just be average than to be top five, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense, yeah. And then, I mean, running backs don't matter a ton, but I like Malcolm Gordon, uh, but then – what gets everyone excited is the weapons they have with Noah Fant, Corlin Sutton, um, KJ Hamler, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick. Yeah. Like that's just like an embarrassment of riches. Um, I really like all of those players. And then it all hinges on Drew Locke, who has been kind of a disappointment, showed some flashes towards the end of his rookie year. And then last year just wasn't great. Yeah, like the whole – no, you're right. Like they have an incredible – we just went through the entire roster. Like they are an incredible team, both on offense and defense. They don't have uh, any well, goals except quarterback. Yeah, talent-wise. Um, yeah, Vic Fangio is a is a good um, defensive head coach. I mean, we saw it with the Bears a couple of years ago where he was actually the defensive coordinator. Um, mm -hmm. But on top of that, like I'm – like with the – obviously developments have happened, but, but the fact that the Broncos weren't in – and Deshaun Watson or Matthew Stafford kind of confuses me. Like, it's not that I think, like, I mean, I don't think Drew Locke's, you know, incredible. He obviously had a really bad year last year, but like, he, like, his ceiling is not what Deshaun Watson is currently. You know what I mean? And they currently have an incredible roster. Um, and you know, I, I mean, like at this point, I don't think a team's going to trade a front trade for Deshaun Watson. No. You know, at least until everything gets cleared up. But there was a point in time where it did seem like, oh, you trade for Deshaun Watson, the Broncos might be one of the favorites in the in the. Um, obviously, they would still probably be behind the Chiefs, but they would be you know one of the favorites in the AFC. Um, and you know, to to go next season to plot out Drew Lock, like there's a very good chance you're just wasting a year of an incredibly good roster. Um, I'd love I to see think, them trade you know, up, take someone. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it's that. hard because I think like teams, teams right now, I think like we talked about it a while ago where it was like after like a year or, or two in the league, like, you know what your quarterback is. Right. 
And then we kind of saw that change this year, right? With Josh Allen went from one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL to one of the best. So I think teams are a little, you know, they, they want to extend that timeline. The same thing's happening for, for Daniel Jones right now in New York when it's like, you kind of know what they are, but like, Oh, what, what if, you know, the, what if happens in the th- year three. And I think the Broncos are making, making a mistake by doing that when, Obviously, it'd be an incredibly expensive investment, but it would be a worthwhile investment to to go up and get to Sean Watson or obviously before Matthew Stafford was traded to go and grab him. Um, I think you really got to look out for them to trade up with either um, maybe get to like the Falcons pick or the Lions pick. Maybe mm-hmm. look at that because we assume – Three quarterbacks are going off the board. One, two, three. Falcons, maybe. Um, Bengals and Dolphins are probably set. But then the Panthers are there, too. But they just traded for Darnold. Um, if they end up trading Teddy Bridgewater, because I think they're allowing him like look for a trade and stuff, I think I saw. Mm-hmm. I could very well still see the Panthers taking a quarterback. Yeah. Not being completely sold Yeah. Yeah, they did just pick up his fifth option. Um, so it's like they do have him for two years, right? Mm-hmm. If they want him for two years, they do have right. that. But, like, yeah, there's also always the idea, like, it's never a bad idea to, like, draft a quarterback every year. Not necessarily in the first round, but, like, the Panthers right now, like, there's a good chance Sam Darnold just is who he is right mm-hmm. now. And the Panthers, you know, I mean, they didn't, like, a, a second and a fourth and a sixth. That's a lot of capital. But it is a two-year investment, essentially, and, and that's what the trade is for two years. So, or the, you know, the next two-year pick. So, yeah, it, it, there could very well go, what, four – there probably will be four in the top ten, maybe even five quarterbacks. Yeah, taking I would, I would assume all five go in the top ten pending trades. Yeah. Yeah, um, assuming there are trades, yeah. Um. But, yeah, the Broncos, I really feel like are a quarterback away. That roster is really good. But obviously, quarterback matters a lot more than any of that. And Drew Locke is—I'm surprised they didn't like sign anyone in free agency either. No, it seemed like they were content with Drew Locke, which is a little confusing. Yeah. At least the, the Giants, Locke, at least people like Mike Glennon. Yeah, I don't hate Drew Locke. I don't think he's just done and never going to be good. But I am by no means like, especially when that's my roster. Fine, rolling into the season with it's Drew Lock or nothing, or Brett yeah. Rippin or whatever the hell they have. Um, Brett Rippin, yeah, Mark Rippin's son or nephew. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, and for, on the Panther side of that trade, I I like the Panther side of that. I don't know your opinions on Darnold. I'm still very interested to see what he can do. I think that's a much, obviously, much better place than the Jets. Yeah. Uh, Although I do think the Jets potentially are on the up and up now. Um, I like Robert Sale. I think he'll be a good um, culture change. And they have a – I think it's Mike LaFleur coming in as their OC. Mm -hmm. So I'm very interested with that, and that's why I have high hopes for Zach Wilson. But, yeah, um, Broncos goes to show that even if you have zero holes on your entire roster, if you're still missing that quarterback, there's not much you can do. 
Yeah, for sure. And, and, and with the Sam Darnold trade, I do think the Panthers, I mean, like, why not? Like, first off, you know what Teddy Bridgewater is. And they mm-hmm. knew what Teddy Bridgewater was when, when they signed him. So mm-hmm. to be, like, disappointed with that result, it's a little confusing. It just seems as if, like, you knew what you were getting. You got what you thought you were going to get, and you were just didn't want it anymore. Um, um, but, yeah, no, Sam Darnold, I think he, he very well might just be who he is. But, like, on the Panthers side, like, why not? Like, why not? I mean, there have been flashes in Sam Darnold's career of being an incredible uh, quarterback, Um, you know, like just like talented. And, you know, like even before Adam Gase, he he was playing fine. He was playing pretty well before Adam Gase. Um, And then obviously kind of fell off a cliff. Um, And how much of that was his fault and how much of it was that he didn't have weapons. He didn't have no line. He had a really bad offensive coordinator or rather head coach. Um, Like, you know, it's it's a pretty big deal. Um, and yeah, the Jets are on the up and up. And I think a lot of that has to do with probably a new GM, Robert Sala. The thing with Michael Fleur is that it's similar. We, we've, we've touched on this in the past, but like, if you're, if you have a good offensive coordinator, right. And you, you're like, you don't even need to have a good offense, but if you have an offensive coordinator that is, you know, doing his job and you have a good young quarterback, he's going to get signed as a head coach. Um, so it's like if it works out with Mike Lafleur, then he's yeah, just going to leave. Like, yeah, he's going to yeah. leave in a year. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah. it's interesting, but yeah, I think okay. it makes sense from the Jets side. Like, we, like I mean, they probably got the most, but they can get right. Like, I don't think you're, you're going to get a first. Obviously, if they did, they probably would have taken that. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, it, it's it yeah. makes sense for both sides. I feel like. So I feel like that was some good QB talk. Um, obviously, the most important thing in the entire sport, um, potentially the most important position in all of American sports. But, all right, switching sure. gears here a little bit, some general NBA stuff. Um, first topic we have to talk about is my Phoenix Suns are absolutely rolling right now. Um, second in the West – believe there are two games out of the one seed behind the Jazz. They've beaten the Jazz twice this year, so watch out for them to get all the way up to the one seed. I'm knocking on wood right now, but they are just a well-oiled machine. They're one of the few teams in the NBA, too. Um, when you watch them in the regular season, they look like they're like fully trying, and I think a lot of that is the Chris Paul effect. Mm. Um, Chris Paul is just a dog, and I don't know. I love this team so much. Monty Williams is doing a really good job. Um, but you got Chris Paul giving you 15 and 10 a night. You got Booker scoring 30 left and right. Um, Cal Bridges, the perfect modern day three and D guy. Sarge is a good shooter. He, he was playing really well during his stretch. Now he's falling off a little bit. Uh, Jay Crowder was an amazing signing. Great for their culture. They're trying to build. He's a great defender. He's knocked down from the corner. Um, and DeAndre Ayton is inconsistent, but becoming less inconsistent. He's growing, um, and he's a threat to drop 25 and 15 any night. I just love where this team's going. And watching them and, like, seeing that how they've developed and they've gotten these players and they're now, now they're starting to come in their own a little bit is really fun to see. 
Yeah, I mean, like it's it's interesting because like even last year at the beginning of the year when Chris Paul was traded to the Thunder, everyone was like, oh, you know, the Thunder have a less than one percent chance to make the playoffs, and then mm-hmm. everyone was like, oh, Chris Paul is still really good, not just as a basketball player, but as you know, like as a culture guy. Um, and we're seeing the exact same thing with the Suns. Um, and like it is. It's interesting. Like, if you put good basketball players on a basketball team, good things will happen. And um, yeah, uh, yeah. No, Chris Paul. I mean, the Suns, them jumping from kind of like a like a, a basement dweller in the they West. They made the playoffs to, in ten years, and they had yeah two three years where they had a legitimate chance. One of them being yeah. going nine and zero in the bubble and still missing the right. playoffs. Yeah, and then going from that to to the two seed in the West right now is. Is pretty incredible, um, and I love the fact that it's. I think it's great to have like Devin Booker. Like I feel like a couple. Like like it felt like Devin Booker was just kind of like not wasting because he's still young. But like to have a young player, an ex- young exciting player, to not be in the playoffs was always upsetting. And now that he's going to be at the forefront, probably depending on who they end up playing, like probably will certainly be favored in the first round. Um, is I'm really very exciting. confident and who. And them winning a first round matchup. Um, mm-hmm. It's looking like, I think if the season ended today, they'd be playing. Or are they doing a uh, like playing type thing for the last few seasons? I think they are doing a playing tournament. Yeah. Well, the seven seed right now is the Mavs. And I feel very comfortable. The Mavs would be tough because Luca, all of them, but I I like their chances. Um, if they play the Grizzlies, if the Grizzlies move up or whatever. Um, I like their chance against that, or if the Warriors or Spurs slide up or whatever. Um, Watch out for the Kings five games back right now. But yeah. They're getting in there. Right. Right. Or six games back. Yeah. They've been uh, sitting in that 12 to 13 seed range for the last 15 I don't know years. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, the Suns, it is so cool to see. Uh, they feel like. Um, as if someone in real life started up like a 2K My League and like just started and like they like tank the first year or whatever and then they get they got DeAndre Ayton and then he took a year to develop and then all of a sudden you get like one big uh, signing. Yeah. Granted, to Chris Paul was a trade. Um, right. That's what they feel like to me though, which is really cool. Yeah, it is cool that like I love the, like that. the quote unquote you know traditional process. They started the rebuild when Steve Nash left. Yeah, they and started the rebuild. They started the rebuild. They're at the yeah, they're, they're IMAX of the rebuild. Sorry. Um yeah, no, it's it's super exciting. In the NBA this year, like obviously no fans or anything, but like it is super exciting. Like to to have like just it seems as though like the um the standings are, it seems like it's literally like randomized. Like if you played like 2K and you like simmed five years, like this would be where like the standings are. You know what I mean? As um, one seed, Suns two seed, the right. Hawks four seed. Yeah. Like the yeah. Knicks are going to make the playoff. Well, yeah. put, they might make the playoffs, but you know, at least the playing tournament probably. Mm. Um, it's interesting. Like in the Warriors, obviously, you know, granted, without clay and they weren't very good last year obviously when yeah i think the worst worst record in the nba but still like them them being on the outsides looking in right now the lakers obviously lebron and ad are hurt but um you know like they're they're slipping a little bit gonna probably like imagine having to play lebron in the first round and you're like the three seed you know what i mean like that's that very well could happen and Mm -hmm. um 
So, you know, and then obviously the Nets, like the Nets have been awful for, for years on top of years. Um, and obviously granted, you know, three star players, that's, that changes things. One might that think, just but kind of goes to show with like the rise of like the Lakers now and like the Nets, um, once one of those like bigger market teams like gets like a goodish culture going. Granted, the Lakers didn't have like a great culture before LeBron got there. He kind of just went there, and because those big markets, as soon as you get like a little bit of momentum, it can start growing fast. And I think that'll be interesting to see the Knicks as they're starting to at least be slightly respectable. Um, the next couple of years, that could be like more of a destination, and I think that could be really interesting. Yeah, Julius Randle is becoming a, a teammate that – or a player that I feel like players are going to want to play with. Like, you know, he's he's very good. He was obviously an all-star and, and deservedly so. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you're right. Like, the whole big market allure, uh, we might see kind of come to fruition uh, down the road, um, as we've seen with the Nets and, you know, the Lakers. Um and then yeah, the Celtics have fallen off a little bit this year, and I would consider Boston, you know, a pretty big market. Um, yeah. Uh, and but like still, I mean, like Jason Tatum's still proving he's an incredible basketball player. Uh, and I think at the beginning of the year, like I, I you know had high expectations of the Celtics, and they've obviously teared it off a little bit. But for Jason Tatum, like his expectations, I feel like he he's met fully for me. Mm-hmm. Um. So we were kind of talking about this before the show. Do you think it is a foregone conclusion that the Nets are going to the finals? Yeah, we did talk about this a little bit. And I think, like, it's – I think, honestly – well, I wouldn't say a foregone conclusion, right? Like, obviously, they have to play the games. And and I think Giannis is just, like, the the, – like, Giannis might just be good enough – well – you know, the Bucks in general with Drew Holiday, obviously Chris Middleton might be good enough, but I would say at this rate that um they are heavy heavy favorites at least, like like heavy, like minus, you know, five hundred almost. Um for me at least. Yeah. Um does that mean you're throwing money down on the nets to get to the finals? Because their odds are like you'd have a much bigger payout than minus five hundred right now. Um, I, yeah, I would. Why not? Yeah. All right. Um, I definitely think they're the best team in the East. Um, what I was talking about before, it's very interesting that they, the way the uh, standings are right now, they'd have to get through the Bucks with Giannis and the Sixers with Embiid with little to no, like, front court, um, defense. Um, which is at an all-time low in value in the NBA right now. But when you're playing the Sixers and Bucks specifically, um, I think that's got to be, like, at least a big factor to consider. Yeah. Like, Giannis is going to have his way in the paint, and obviously Embiid's going to against anyone in, in Giannis as well. But they have no one to stop him. We, uh, last night we were talking about it. Um, Andre Drummond dominated them, and the Lakers won by 25. Um, Mm -hmm. And, like, LaMarcus Aldridge looked lost and even was talking about in the post-game interview. He was like, I can't believe how bad defensively I am. And, like, that's because you've never been good at defense, and now you're 35 or whatever on a 
after just getting bought out and whatever. Um, yeah, so um, the other thing I wanted to touch about on that was they lose by 25, and I believe Kyrie got ejected. But Yeah, him and Dennis Schroeder got ejected. Harden didn't play. And I am here to say that James Harden is the reason the Nets are so good. He is the driver of that. And I'm going to come out here with the claim that James Harden is the second best player in the NBA behind LeBron James. And that's a, that's a take I stand by. And I know a lot of people will heavily disagree with that. So you I'll think you have he's, your raw reactions to that, and then I'll explain further. Okay, so you think he's the best player on the Nets currently? Yes. So you, okay, so better than James Harden. Okay. I'll, I'll, not James Harden. I'm sorry, have, Kevin I'll let you have your uh, raw reactions to that, and then I'll explain further. I would say, you know, like he's been roughly, what, top five for the past, like, five years. To say he's number two – Used behind LeBron, I would say like Giannis, I would put above him. Uh, KD, honestly, I would probably put above him. And this season, like if you had to pick an MVP this season, I wouldn't pick Harden, but I do think he's certainly like top three in MVP. So like I don't think it's a, I I don't think he's the second best player in the NBA. That being said, I don't think it's an incredible stretch. So I think everyone's immediate reaction would be, like you said, bring up KD, bring up Giannis, all that. I think um, is um, – well, first of all, we'll talk about KD on the next. KD is a better, I'd say, pure scorer, just like give him the ball and go score type of player. But the impact that Harden yeah. has on the entire game and their entire team versus KD's impact, I think – they're better off going to a game in um, the playoffs. Uh, if they had to pick one, like if one was sitting out, they'd rather have Harden because he makes the offense flow and the balls are in his hand. The balls in his hand, um, and he's finding open shooters. And he averaged eleven assists a game. I know, like all that stuff, but um, the way he facilitates and has complete control over the game. I mean, we were just talking about how much Chris Paul made the Suns better. Because he does stuff like that. Harden does that, and he gives you 25 points a game and can score 40 in any game he wants. Um, and I think that's just the value he adds. I think that's a skill set that not many players in the NBA have, um, that ability to just completely master the offense. And if you give them the pieces, they can absolutely um, orchestrate, like, this elite offense, I think that's a trait LeBron has. I think that's something Chris Paul has. Um, and off the top of that head, I don't know if anyone else is on their those three people's level in terms of that. And I think that goes very um, under the carpet and underrated in terms of how good a player is. Um, I don't care if you can score 40 points if everyone else on your team isn't even getting shots up. Granted, Kevin Durant's extremely efficient and blah, blah, blah. But I think Harden also um, orchestrates part of his efficiency rather than him just being this amazing, perfect player that never misses a shot. And I think Giannis is the one that gets up there and he has all these like raw stats and he feels unstoppable and stuff. But when it comes down to it and you need a shot and someone's playing defense on 
Giannis, would I rather have him or Harden have the ball when and when I need a bucket from my offense rather than just one player? And I'm giving the ball Harden ten times out of ten because fucking Jimmy Butler is going to take a charge on Giannis with two minutes left and he's going to have five fouls. Um, uh, so that's my take on that. Uh, I am firm that he is the second best player in the NBA. I think everyone likes to bring up his defense, and I think. That is very important, but it is less important than people think. And I think he's a much better defender than people give him credit for. Um, yeah, that's my take on that. And I know I knew I know I wanted to get that out. And I know a lot of people will disagree, but I will yeah. stand. Yeah, no, I mean, as cliche as it sounds, right? I think like the playoffs will like very well could firmly put him you know where you're saying right like like regular season he's been amazing right and and i think it's fair to say he probably has been the second best regular season player if not the best regular season player the last five years um that being said like yeah it, it does matter like in the playoffs if he is continuing this production on top of elevating his teammates right like then yeah, he's up there. Um, Let me ask you this question: Kevin Durant, they go to the finals and they beat the the Lakers. Kevin Durant, okay. I know it's it's not as easy as just like spurting out raw stats. Let's say Kevin Durant averages thirty four points a game in the finals, and his like normal like whatever like seven rebounds, blah blah blah. Let's say Harden on relatively efficient shooting averages twenty six. 11, 12 assists, uh, like he's averaging right now, and his seven, eight rebounds that he gets. Who, who do they give Finals MVP to? Yeah, they would give it to Harden, I would imagine. I would, I would um, think. I think he's I been like imagine, the, yeah. the, the keys to the um, engine in the car of that team right now. I think Kevin Rand is great, and he's unstoppable, and he can get a shot off whenever he wants. But it's just not as valuable as what Harden brings. Everyone just gets. Also obsessed with Kevin Durant's like um, ability to just shoot over everyone, like he does at Rucker Park or whatever that stupid video is. But Harden is the one that makes them that elite, unstoppable team. And everyone was so worried about there being like um, too many like ball dominant people, and the ball's not like there to go around. Harden's the one that makes that all work. Mm. On top of all of that, there's just so much more that goes into the Nets in the game of basketball than just, like, looking cool and just scoring, like, just flat-out scoring like um, Kevin Durant does. And I think Harden just adds more value. Um, I'll ask you this. Do you think he's the MVP this year? Do I think he's the MVP? The MVP – I've always had a big problem with the MVP award. Um. Mm mostly in sports in general, because if you go by, like, the way the award is normally given, I do not think he's the MVP. Um, it's probably – who's who's probably the leader right now? Like I would say Jokic. Jokic is up there too. Probably one, um, yeah. Like, it's dumb because, like, LeBron's been the best player in the league for 10 years. Mm -hmm. Like – um, the way the award is given, it's not only like a team with a really good record and like they're clearly the best player on their team. And I think Harden is, 
if I was the sole person giving out the award, um, it would probably be for me be between. I would probably give it to Harden based on the argument I just gave of him being yeah. the second best player and LeBron's been hurt. Um, I don't know. I hate. I just hate the MVP question because you. There's so many like. It feels like there's almost like political um, aspects to the award of like the way it's yeah, supposed to be given versus like actually the most valuable player. So yeah, if I think fair. Harden is the second most valuable player and second best player in the NBA and they have the record to match and all that, I don't, I, I would have zero problem if he won MVP. The other thing is like all three stars on the Nets, they'd sit out every other game, but um, I, I, I would be, I would have an argument for him to win MVP and I, he's not winning MVP. No, I would think he probably wouldn't. Yeah. But no, I think there's an argument. This was because I'm just how good the Nets are in general. And then if, you know, he, if he's not one, he's certainly, sorry, if he's not two, he's certainly one. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, because of, you know, the reasons why they're so good. So let me yeah. ask you this question. Is there a huge difference in the value that they bring in um, Kyrie versus Kevin Durant? Would, like KD, like, do I think the disparity between like Kyrie and KD in terms of not just like how like pure, like purely good they are at basketball, purely oh, like, the value like, they bring? Oh, okay. I would say there is. I would say, I would say there's. I mean, that's something again that I think. KD, like right now in the regular season, coming off a torn Achilles, very well might be doing the LeBron regular season where, especially when he, because he can right now, like he doesn't need to put, you know, and he might not even have to do in the playoffs. He might not have to go, you know, uh, uh, pedal to the metal. I don't think um, you've ever really seen that. I mean, his MVP season in OKC, um, where he averaged 30 a game. Um, I mean, they had Harden and Westbrook, but I honestly, we've never even seen. We've never seen. We have one hundred percent never seen Kevin Durant just like will a team to be really good, and I think that's more impressive than not being the straw that stirs the drink and just reaping the benefits of all of that. Yeah, um, I think Harden's the one that stirs the drink, and Katie benefits from. I think the Nets should trade for Russell Westbrook and just try again. Yeah. See if you can't get, I mean, I feel bad. Like he's wasting away in DC right now. And like Harden, Harden and, and, uh, um, uh, KD are uh, like probably favorites to win the finals. I know you're, I know you're joking. And like, obviously like that is, that would be a very stupid thing to do. Right. They can't do it. I don't think financially. Oh, I would love to see it too, but financially, obviously, they can't. Also, if you're a Thunder fan and you saw that, how awful would that be? Or would it be? I mean, I guess you could, you could skew it as like, oh, those are my guys, but like, <laughs> they haven't been in a while, so yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Well, I think we had a good episode today. Yeah, we got to wrap. Glad it to up, be yeah. back. Of course, yeah. We uh, we're gonna you know keep trying to to you know, keep up with the schedule uh, probably once a week um recording so yeah sure um 
we're going to have probably draft content coming out more and more as the um, draft quickly approaches. Um, I really want to get another one of our uh, what we would do mock drafts out there. Mm -hmm. uh, I really enjoyed that last year. Um, yeah, it was fun. Maybe we can continue our streak because we started off last year. I think it was five for five or six for six. I think it was six for six. And we then, weren't even trying to predict it. We were just saying what we no. would do. And it was just. And then, yeah, Herbert was the one. Justin Herbert was the one we, we, we quote unquote missed on um, at seven. Yeah. Yep. So. Yeah. All right. Well, if you have nothing else, um, all set. ready to sign off. Well, thanks for yeah. watching, guys. All right. See ya. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in, guys.